Okay, now for some culture shock here, here I am. But, uh, I want to tell you first a story of something that happened this morning. I was in 7-Eleven, and they saw this mother with her son, and the son was crying. And he kept saying, I don't want to go to church. The mother said, why? He said, because everybody makes fun of me, they pick on me, they call me names. She says, but you got to go to church. He says, why? She said, because you're the pastor. <laughs> Actually, this morning in the, in the back, I was talking to this one woman, I won't mention names, and she had her eyebrows drawn on very high up. So I told her, I said, wow, your eyebrows look very high. She looked surprised. <laughs> talk a lot about what people say are generational curses. 
I don't use that term anymore. Why? Because God's people are not cursed. There's no curse on you. I don't care. People get all freaked out. All oh, these witches just moved into the apartment under me and they're doing all these spells. I don't care. Let them do the spells as long as they don't wake me up. <laughs> Those people got no power over you if you've got the Spirit of God in you. There's nobody can put a curse on you unless you've got an open door of rebellion against God in your life. But the scripture says, if somebody curses you, it's like a bird flying around with no place to land. See, there might be a witch right here now trying to put curses. You're sitting back there. You could chant all you want. Just keep it down. So So what I want to do is I want to go back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And then I'm going to go, um, then I'm going to go to the book of Esther. And I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about and how it plays out in Scripture. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2. This is the Lord speaking to the king back then, King Saul. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Aren't you glad you didn't live in the Old Testament? God told the king, you go to the enemies of Israel. See, they weren't just having a war. These were ungodly people that for hundreds of years, they came and they tried to destroy the people of God, the worship of God. And it's not like today where we just lead people to Jesus, where there's grace and mercy. Back then, evil had to be destroyed. The wages of sin was death. And God told King Saul, you go to that nation and you destroy everyone and everything. So I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared King Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. Did King Saul obey God? Did he destroy everyone and everything? He left the king alive and kept the best of everything. He refused to defeat the enemy that God had told him to destroy. Now I'm going to fast forward. Do you have any sound effects? No sound effects? Oh, there we go. So I'm going to head 600 years now to the book of Esther. 
See, there was a man named Haman. He was a wicked man. And he came up with a plan to kill all the Jews. But here's the thing about Haman. Haman, it says, was an Agagite. What does that mean? He was an Agagite. He was a descendant of the king that King Saul was told to destroy. He refused to do it, and now his descendants are rising up, still trying to destroy God's people. And who was opposing him? Was Queen Esther and, a and her cousin Mordecai. And who were they? They were descendants of King Saul. They were reliving the same battle from 600 years before. And you know what that shows me? That the battles, the enemies, that one generation refuses to overcome, the battle you refuse to engage in. I don't mean battles against people. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, people are not your enemy. <coughs> Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. <laughs> Maybe some of you. I just came back from a pleasure trip. I took my mother-in-law to the airport. <laughs> this is totally off the record. You're not taping this. <laughs> your battle now is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. But your battle is against those things that war against you, the sin, the pattern, the patterns of generations. Alcoholism, child abuse, violence, lying, stealing. You gotta defeat those devils right now, or the next generation is gonna have to face them. If you choose not to do it, then your children, your grandchildren are going to have to face those same old things that, that have run in the family. Let me give you an example of that from the Bible. In Genesis 12, verse 10, it says there was a famine in the land and Abraham went to Egypt to live and when he came to Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you're a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me in order to get you. So say you are my sister, so that I'll be treated well. Nice guy, right? He was like, yeah, take my wife. But now let's go down to the next generation. Genesis chapter 26, verse 6. Isaac, Abraham's son. They went to a place named Gerar. And when the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, She's my sister. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife. The same sin. If Abraham wouldn't stand up to and fight that sin. If Abraham wouldn't deal with his lying and deceit, then his son would have to do it. And his son didn't do it. So Isaac's son Jacob, in the next generation, he deceived Jacob. In fact, his very name Jacob means deceiver. And then Jacob, in the next generation, was deceived by his son. You see, it runs in the family because nobody was willing to rise up and say, we're going to put an end to this right now. 
Have you ever seen families where the, maybe the father has a problem with addiction? And now the sons, it seems like it was handed down. And the grandfather had the same problem. Or may, maybe fear or depression goes from the grandfather to the father to the daughter. However it runs in each family. Unless somebody stops it. Unless you say, this is it. You're, you're handing it, you're passing it on to the next generation. Well, I'm not willing to fight this fear. I'm not willing to fight this addiction. I, I'm not going to stop with my pornography, so here, I'll, handle it, I'll hand it down to you. And if you can't do it, maybe my grandson will put an end to it. See, that, that's, not the, that's not the heart of God. You have the power of God in you. Like I said, there's no curse on you. You could right now, you could say no. The Christ that's in you is greater than that sin. Greater than whatever it is you're facing in your life. There's a pastor that I was watching a movie about him this week. His name was Pastor John Turnipseed. He wrote a book called Bloodline. And he was kicked out of school by the age of 16 for threatening to kill his principal. He became a gang member. And he started a gang. He recruited all of his family members and started a gang called the Rolling 30 Bloods. This was in Minnesota. Eventually he ended up in jail for 50 felonies. His three-year-old son was beat to death. Another son was shot 13 times. See, he, you don't just pay the price for what you do. His father was, was shot and ended up in prison. He was shot, ended up in prison. His son was shot, ended up in prison. His grandson was shot and later ended up in prison. You see the pattern. You see, you see how these things begin to flow. How the enemy, if you're, if you're not willing to stand up to that devil, he'll just keep flowing. He'll keep coming to the next. See, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. I heard a story where there was a service and all of a sudden, smoke started to appear. And, and there was the devil himself sitting there. And everyone ran out except for this one 70-year-old lady. And she told the devil, I'm not afraid of you. The devil said, you're not afraid of me. Everyone else is afraid. How come you're not afraid? The devil said, and the lady said, because I've, I've been married to your brother for 40 years. <laughs> just threw that one in. <laughs> we call that in the trade comic relief. <laughs> Until one day, John Turnipseed, while he was in prison, he made a decision. He renounced all his affiliation with gangs. He renounced violence. He gave his heart to the Lord. And today, 
90% of his family have now served the Lord, including those who are still in prison. He has now nine of his grandsons are on the honor roll at school. That might not seem a, like a big accomplishment to us, but when there's been nothing but violence and destruction and abuse and alcoholism in your family, that's a tremendous accomplishment. There, there was a king in the Old Testament named King Hezekiah. And it says in um, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 19, See, Israel back then, they were, they were rebellious against God. They worshipped idols. They even took their own babies and sacrificed them to, to all these false gods and idols. And God warned the people. And they refused to listen. And finally God said, I'm going to send the enemy army. I'm going to bring judgment on Israel. But here's what he told to King Hezekiah. He told Hezekiah, it's not going to come in your lifetime because you've been a good man. It's going to come instead in your children's lifetime. And here's what Hezekiah said to the Lord. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? In other words, as long as I'm okay, I'm not going to worry about the next generation. And too much in the church, we live with that same mindset. I'm just going to live my life. I'll do my thing, and I'll let them do their thing. That's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel of Christ not only sets you free, but it'll set your children free, your grandchildren free. You know, there's a lot of you here. The only reason you're still alive is because you had a praying grandmother. Because there was a mother that went to church every five times a week, and you were mocking and making fun of them, and that's the only reason you're still standing. Now you be the one. You start sowing seeds into the next generation. I don't care. You could be 12 years old. You, can, you don't have to be married. You don't have to have children. You start sowing into your children, into your grandchildren now. It doesn't matter how old you are. See, in my family was alcoholism, lawlessness, divorce, fear. My great-grandfather was actually a famous gambler in Europe. My grandfather was a big gambler. That's what he did for a living. So I took it to the next level. By the time I was 18, I was working all week in a factory, going to the racetrack and losing my whole check. There was out drunkenness that ran in my family. All these things were starting to affect me. But when I made a decision to serve God, I made a decision that I'm, this is the beginning of a new generation. That these things are not going to touch my daughter. I'm believing that not one of those things are going to come upon my grandchildren. 
My father was arrested. My grandfather was arrested. I took it to the next level again. I was arrested many times when I was a teenager. My grandchildren, I decree, will never spend one day in prison because of the blood of Jesus. You see, we don't have a bloodline curse because we have a new bloodline that we're born again in Him. You see, going back again to the story about Queen Esther with her cousin Mordecai, Queen Esther had to go to the king in order to save her people in the battle. And, and she was afraid to go because back then, if you went to see the king and he didn't want to see you, off with your head. So she was wavering back and forth. And you know what Mordecai told her? Who knows? but that you haven't come into the kingdom for a time such as this. And I can say that to every one of you. Every one of you are here for a time such as this to start a generation. It doesn't matter what was in your family history. Poverty, divorce, sickness, it's broken. If, your parent, if you have parents who struggle with cancer, you don't have to. Why? Because in Jesus, it's broken. The power, the curse of sin and sickness and death, it's broken. You don't have to carry it alone. That's not what you're going to pass down. You have to make a decision. It all ends here and right now. See, when you decide to do that sin, You're handing it down. You're saying, well, I'll do this now. I'll let, the, I'll let my grandchildren deal with it. Or you can draw a line in the sand. I'm not saying we're ever going to be perfect. I'm not condemning you. There's no condemnation. I'm just saying we need to change our attitude. We need to get serious with these things. Even on the government level. They're 20, $20 trillion in debt, and they're not planning to pay it. They're saying, let our grandchildren struggle with it. E even in churches, they want to deal with the same issues of legalism that have cast out the young people. Well, they'll find their own way. We don't have to deal with them. They're too rough. They're too wise. No, God is a generational God. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Pastor George planted this church, he wasn't just thinking about you, right, Pastor George? He's already thinking 30 years down the line for a generation to rise up as a mighty army. I want, I want you to hear other testimonies right now of people who have overcome. So I'm going to ask Pastor Mark and Melissa to come. I want you to hear some real life stories of, of those who, who have actually put the past behind and started a new generation in Christ. 
So this week, I knew that Pastor Gary had wanted me to share my story. And it was interesting because I had in my mind that I was going to speak with you about divorce. And then I got a call on Monday from someone in my family, very distraught, and they said to me, I'm beginning to pray for all the men of the family of this generation, of the generation, you know, my son, my cousin's sons. They said, because there is such a history of adultery and we have to begin to proclaim that that will not hit the next generation. And so it is true. My father committed adultery. And because of that, he had to suffer the consequences that he suffered. But because of that, I struggled. All, I lost my home. My mom had to work two jobs. So I was 10, taking care of a one-year-old at night while she worked. It was scary. Sometimes even now when it's dark, I don't like it because I remember walking back and forth in the dark because I couldn't see anything when I was little and I had to take care of my brother. I remember having to deal with rejection. Every holiday that my dad chose not to be there. Every birthday that he missed. Every event that now was transformed in my extended family because my mother and my father couldn't be in the same place. I remember chopping down a tree or trying to with an ax. I'm 11 took this little axe and I'm trying to chop down this tree because the neighbors complained that my yard looked bad and officials kept coming to my door. But most of all, I remember trying to be perfect. I remember trying to be so good because I remember the people in church. You see, my grandfather was a minister. So imagine how hard that was. And I have to tell you that two weeks before he fell, the Lord gave him a dream about adultery. And he preached a sermon in the church. And two weeks later, he himself oh. fell. So God was speaking to him. And so I have to tell you that it was very hard because the people in the church would go to pray for my mom. And it got to the point I would tell, her, tell them, stop praying for her. I'm praying for her. Why? Because they would tell her what she needed to do and what she shouldn't do and how she should fix. Instead of encouraging, instead of listening, instead of loving instead of helping. I remember times when there was not enough food. I remember my mom playing this game called Pioneer Days because there, wasn't, there was no gas, right? So there was no hot water. And so what we would do is Pioneer Days was, there was gas, there was no oil, we had oil. So they had to, she would heat up these pots of water and we would, you know, it was Pioneer Days, so we had candles and these pots of water and she would do all that. And it was very, very hard but I think most of all, the struggle was the stress that it placed on myself and my brother. Because we had to grow up real fast. We had to, all of a sudden, sometimes my father asked us to lie. There was deceit. There was division. Even to this day, I cannot have a normal event, any regular event, because of the divorce. And now, I was going to speak about divorce, but it wasn't the divorce. Because... You see, I was raised in a Christian home, right? So my grandparents were saved and they prayed. And because of that, witchcraft was broken and alcoholism, that hasn't come into this generation, right? But then, now I see that that adultery has been pervasive in so much of my family to the point where now there's people in my family that can't even sit in the same room with each other because they're angry at each other, but they don't see that they themselves have done the same thing. They don't see their part, that they too 
have adultery. And it's come from uncles and cousins. So when I got that call, I said, you are absolutely right. We have to begin to pray and believe that that will not touch our children. And I'm grateful that I can stand here and declare that my son, but I, mean, I keep saying men, but you know what? Men commit adultery with women. So I'm going to declare that neither myself, nor my daughter, nor my son, nor their children to the fourth and the fifth and the millionth generation, that they're not going to fall into that. Because you know what? It brings destruction. And it's amazing how, you know, this, you know the, your children will perfect your sins. I think that my father committed adultery, but then I've seen wickedness come back into my extended family from dabbling in, and, but the common thread is here. Because I don't want, you know, if you have committed adultery, if you are currently in adultery, there is forgiveness, there is repentance. I now have a beautiful relationship with my father. Um, he has, okay, I have a good relationship with my father. There are challenges, right, because he's not perfect and there are always gonna be consequences of sin, but he now serves the Lord again. So there are relationships that have been mended. Um, so I'm thankful for that, that he now serves the Lord. I'm thankful for a praying mom. I'm thankful for a praying grandmother. I'm thankful that I had a praying aunt. And that was the common thread that came, kept the family together. But once that adultery began to break up those units, all of those people that did those things, all the people in my family that chose to sin, they no longer serve the Lord. And when they made that decision, there was a complete, this means oppositional, there was a complete turning away from God, from his word. And so I will tell you, I remember Pastor George's sermon that said, you know, are you connected? Are you connected? Because it's not a job about just being connected in church, but it's about having a lifestyle that lives for God, that knows what the word says, and that chooses to be obedient to the word of God. Why? So that you are not destroyed, so that you can be protected, so that the blessings can come unhindered. And, you know, I have to be honest, this morning something hit me. I was sharing with Nadia today, because we're talking about big things, right? Abuse, alcoholism, you know, but today something hit me this morning, and I felt so repentant in my heart. I thought about myself and how many times I say, I don't like the way I look. I'm too heavy. I'm too, it just doesn't look right on me. The wrinkles, the this. And how many times I criticize and berate myself that I don't even want to look in the mirror. And I, you know, I was listening from my room today and I heard what sounded a lot like me and it broke my heart. So women, what are we translating to our daughters? Are we telling them that they are beautiful, that they are wonderful, that they are in the image of God himself, that, there is, that they are strong, that they are powerful? Or are we communicating something that God doesn't want us to communicate? So not only am I gonna say that my generation, there will be no more adultery, there will be no more divorce over my children, but I will also say there will be no eating disorders in my family. There will be no, no image problems in my family. There will be no, none of those issues because we have to define ourselves and we need to choose to define ourselves by how the word defines us as whole, as clean, as beautiful, as pure.
So I just encourage you to remain plugged in and to be able to identify. See, divorce is the end product. Adultery was the symptom, right? So we need to identify what those things are in our lives. And the Lord showed me a picture of a doctor. You know how when you go to the doctor, you fill out those HIPAA forms and your co-payment and all, but then attached to that is like 600 pages of family history, right? And why is that important? Because if a doctor can identify, they use that to see whether you have a higher risk of, of a chronic disease or an illness. And if they're able to catch that early, then they can treat it for your best success, right? So if we look at that in the spiritual, if we can identify those things that have plagued our family, that have come up time and time again, we can begin to break those walls and those barriers in the name of Jesus. We can identify it. We can stand and say it's not going to happen. We can protect our homes. We can protect our children. We can protect ourselves. I'm sorry. I feel like I am preaching. Sorry. But, but we need to be able to identify what those things are that we could decree and declare that there would be no more. Um, when Gary asked me, you know, again, I think about, all right, you know, the abuse uh, I, I went through and uh, the divorce and uh, the disconnect I had from my parents. I spent a lot of time alone as a, as a child, um, where I, I try to do everything I can to go to other families' house where, where that was my getaway. But then it got to a, po a point where I couldn't go there either. Um, did not have the best of childhood. Um, I'm not going to share. I'm not allowed to. My kids tell me I, I depressed them, but. Um, <laughs> But it's because of that abuse and that aloneness that 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 a lot of insecurity allowed me to be insecure who I am. It allowed me to be not know who I am and who I was and, and a lot of fear. And then even now it's a, it's a constant battle sometimes. And you know how they say uh, you know, you could you 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 you're just like your parents? And I, and I try to do everything I can to prove no, I'm nothing like my parents. But there are, there are moments when I'm dealing with my kids. Moments where if I let it, if I let it, I could, be, I could become, become like my parents. And I have to hold myself. And I know it's been broken, but it's a constant battle. But we have the power to con to connect and constantly break that. Break and when it's broke, it's broke. But but you know the battle of the minds, it's already been broken. It's, it's not there. But but then it allows you to go back and and and, and what what I'm what I'm out to live for is not only to prove that I'm not like my parents, but I want to pass down to my children. What it is to have a household of faith. That you're going to go through your stuff. But it's in what rock you're going to stand. I want to teach them how to pray through their struggle. I don't want them to struggle with their themselves and what they think. And 
their thought process and how they feel about themselves. I want them to feel stronger than what I feel about myself. Does that make sense? So when I'm talking about generate when when they talk about generational, you know, you're not gonna become your parents. You gotta constantly check yourself, constantly to 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 connect with yourself to like-minded people, because because I mean it's a battle, it's a battle, and I, and I'm here to tell you that uh, I overcome that battle. Mm-hmm. I've overcome that battle. I'm not who my parents were. I'm not who they say I was supposed to be. I'm totally different. And, um, and I can pass on to my kids and I can believe that divorce is not going to happen, that uh, abuse is not going to happen. They're going to control their emotions. They're going to throw their emotions to God and, and, and whatever they're going through and, and they're going to battle it with prayer. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As I come, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm, I'm going to ask you to, uh, just, uh, just as they just said, to reflect over your life, over your family history. And if there are things in your family history, whether it's fear, sickness, divorce, failure, poverty, addiction, If you're saying, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a stand against that, I'm breaking that today, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If you're saying, um, this family circles and cycles, they stop right here and right now. I'm, not, I'm, I'm making a stand for my grandchildren, for my great-grandchildren. I'm going to live righteous before God. You're telling the devil, get out of my way. And I'm going to ask, just just as they're standing, I'm going to ask if you could sing that song again that you sang, Abba, Father. Is that okay? Because you have a new father now. You have a father who loves you. And he has called you his sons and daughters. He has adopted you. And in him there, there is no sin. There is no curse. There is no family line of issues and problems. There is no fear in him. You have a new bloodline. There's a father in heaven. And the Bible says we call him Abba, Father, Abba is the name in Hebrew that means daddy. So before I pray, I'm just going to ask, let that minister to you right now. Just receive as I sing that song. Just stand right now in the recognition that you now belong to the family of God. He's given you a new name, a new destiny.
Everything in my life that's not pleasing to God. Father, we renounce right now. We renounce sexual sin, oh God. In any way, Lord God, in our life where we live in ways that the Bible commands us not to. Yes, there are commands in the Bible, even with the grave. Every hidden thing of pornography, Lord God. If you don't get rid of that pornography, somewhere down the road, your kids are going to be dealing with worse so that you can have a night of fun. Everything of deception, Lord God. Father, we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful with our lives. Faithful with how we spend our time, our money, how we deal with people, Lord God. Father, we want to flow in your love, oh God. So in Jesus' name, we renounce every hidden thing, Lord God. Everything in our lives that's not pleasing to you. And right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I just pray over you. And I break, I sever every tie to the sins of the fathers, to the past generations. I break the power of poverty off of your life. There is no more lack in your life. It's severed right now in Jesus' name. Every pattern, every cycle, the power is broken now in Jesus' name. Everything of violence, addiction, abuse, right now, broken. I break it off of your life now in Jesus' name. And I just bless you. I bless you to walk in the newness of God, in His freedom, in Jesus' name. I just bless you. I bless you down to the fifth, the sixth generation, that your children will be great and mighty in this land, that they will lack nothing. They will become men and women of influence and do great and mighty works. So I just bless you right now. I'm going to ask Lee if you could just come and just close this time. I know so many things that you've broken in your life. So I'm going to ask you just to, just to release in closing that impartation. Father, I give you praise, God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, for the blood that runs thick down from generation to generation. I thank you for the newness of the life of Christ in every family represented in this room this morning in Jesus. I thank you that I stand before a blessed people. I thank you that the glory of your countenance shines upon them and their children and their families and their loved ones. I declare that them and their households will see the salvation of the Lord down from the fifth to the sixth to the seventh to the millionth generation in Jesus' name. I declare that the grace of God is more than enough to make every person in here more than more than a conqueror through every battle and every struggle that they're facing in this hour, in this season of their lives. I declare that they will accomplish more than what they even know in the wilderness and through the trials. 
of them beyond what they have been raised with, beyond what they have been told, beyond what they have been dictated to. Let every blind eye open in the spirit now in the name of Jesus and let their mouths declare it over their families for your namesake and your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.